0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Game Changer Lacrosse podcast. I'm your host, Joe Ivoli. The Game Changer Lacrosse podcast is about talking to people who have dedicated their life to the game of lacrosse and learning about who they are, how they got to where they are today, and what they do to improve themselves and their teams. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at GC Sports, and if you're a coach or a parent, Check out Game Changer Team Manager in the App Store. You can ditch the emails and spreadsheets. The free Game Changer Team Manager app streamlines communication, scheduling, and live scoring into one easy-to-use app. Game Changer Team Manager is 100% free for your entire team. Learn more at gc.com forward slash team manager or search for Game Changer Team Manager in the App Store. Today on the show, we have the Associate Head Coach of Denver Lacrosse, Matt Brown. Coach Brown graduated from Denver University, where he was a four-year starter for the Pioneers. During his time at DU, he accumulated 137 points. That's the sixth best in Pioneer history. He's also fourth all-time for goals. Coach Brown started as a volunteer assistant in 2007. After three seasons under the former coaching staff, he was asked to join on as an assistant coach when Coach Tierney arrived. During his time at DU, the Pioneers have reached championship weekend five times and won the national championship in 2015, the first ever in the program's history. In eight seasons, his offense is consistently ranked in the top 10 in the nation, ranking as high as number three. He was an assistant coach for the Canadian national team and the offensive coordinator for the under-19 Canadian men's field team. He's also the director of the Denver Elite Box Lacrosse Program and a founding member of U.S. Box LA. Coach Brown and I got a chance to talk about a lot of different things like how he ended up at Denver, learning from other sports, viewing sports as a puzzle, read progressions, making decisions while playing fast, and much more. Here's my interview with Matt Brown. Coach Brown, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Joe. I'm excited to be here, and uh, thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, I'm excited uh, to get to talk, so uh, let's get started like I always do. How would you get started playing lacrosse?
1: Well, you know, it was a long time ago, and uh, I was uh, originally a a baseball player. Uh, Nobody in my family. Ever picked up a lacrosse stick, and uh, I was a baseball hockey guy, and, and I had a bunch of hockey teammates that convinced me, um, you know, one one winter during one of our hockey seasons to put down the bat and pick up the stick and, and try to jump on the floor, and uh, and I did that, and you know, kind of immediately fell fell in love with the game. So uh, it, was a, it was a long time ago, but um, that's that's kind of how I got introduced to the game.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. And so the the other sports that you played, baseball. And hockey. Do you feel like uh, I would imagine one more than the other? But do you feel like those sports contributed to your
1: lacrosse style at all? Well, I stopped playing baseball right at that moment as soon as I picked <laughs> up a lacrosse stick. So it was uh, baseball was, was was long gone. But right. uh,
0: I played I played
1: soccer. I, I played hockey. Um, played football, basketball growing up. You mm-hmm. know, we were really busy in our household. But uh, you know, I think all all these sports really helped. They, they complement each other, you know, hockey, you know, you have the continued play, you know, where you've got to continue to read and react and and move on, you know, as far as when mistakes are made, you know, basketball is, you know, learning how to manipulate a defense and and read a defense, you know, whether it be with, with the ball in your, in your hands and, and, and off the dribble, or, you know, whether you're trying to be a big man on the post and trying to box guys out, Um, you know, football, great footwork, you know, great footwork from a football standpoint you know, learn how to really plant your foot into the ground and, and, and take it off and, and soccer just from an endurance, you know, standpoint. So those, those were kind of, those were my five sports. They were, um, you know, they were fun. To, I was into all of them at whatever season I was into. And, uh, you know, I, I really believe that uh, they all helped you become a better lacrosse player.
0: Right, right. And so at what point, uh, you know, what was it that made you start thinking like, all right, lacrosse is the sport that I want to play at the next level?
1: Well, I think, you know, I was, I, I was, I loved soccer, but you know, I wasn't the fastest guy in the field and uh, my my feet weren't soft like my hands, you know? And so I had a little bit of stone feet and uh, <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to go that direction. Uh, football, I was, I was kind of, you know, plugged into, into a line position and, and I, I kind of got to the point of where I couldn't get much bigger and uh, there was guys that were just towering over top of me. Uh, right. basketball, basketball, I, I was great around the hoop, but, but I didn't have much range. Um, and so it really came down to, to hockey and lacrosse. And, and I played hockey and lacrosse all the way up until college and, uh, really had to make a decision on which direction that, that I wanted to go. You know, like, like a lot of young Canadian guys, you know, hoisting the Stanley cup above your head was, you know, was your dream. You know, you went through that scenario every day and on, you know, in the uh, playing street hockey with your buddies, but, uh, you know, I got to the point where I just loved the game of lacrosse and um, found a home here in Denver and uh, decided that this was the path I wanted to take.
0: Right. Yeah. So so can you tell us the story about, uh, I'll get to why you decided on, on Denver in a second, but can you tell us the story about how you ended up at Denver?
1: Yeah, I, I think it was, um, you know, senior in high school. So things were you know, quite different back then. Um, you know, I was playing lacrosse. I was playing hockey. I really knew nothing about what college lacrosse was, other than Paul and Gary Gates, who were my idols growing up. They they both went to Syracuse, and, and Syracuse was the place I, I wanted to go. And uh, never got a call back from them, I never got an email back from them, so that that was disappointing. But um, you know, I was working at a Safeway on a Sunday morning, and I'll never forget the day. You know, I got off a morning shift that started at uh, that started at two a.m. Just kind of stocking shelves, and I got back home around ten thirty. And and I just said to my dad, he said, I don't want to be doing this for the rest of my life. And uh, and and I put an email together and and you know sent it out to every single lacrosse program I could find online. Um, mm-hmm. I even sent it to some programs that just that only had girls programs. I didn't know, you know, oh, I didn't know okay. what the division two or division three was. And okay. um, within 45 minutes of sending those emails out. I got a call from from the head coach of the University of Denver, and uh, I was really interested. And hmm. you know, two weeks later, he flew up to see me. A week after that, I flew down for an official visit, and there it was. I, I fell in love with the place and, and decided to become a pioneer.
0: Right. So, so what was it about it, Denver? Uh, what was it that made you decide on Denver?
1: Well, I, I think at the time it was, you know, for me growing up just outside of Vancouver. It, it was the closest place to home, even though it was mm-hmm. still a flight. Um, it was a startup program, meaning it was just entering Division One. You know, we've only been Division One since 1999, so we, mm-hmm. we haven't been in Division I for that long a period of time. Um, you know, I, I think the the immediate um, response um, was was obviously very impressive. Mm-hmm. And then when I came down on my visit, um, we have an associate athletic director here. A gentleman by the name of Ron Graham, and and Ron has, has been here for for I don't know how many years. He's probably been here for a total of forty or fifty years. You know, he was a student athlete here as a hockey player. He went off and he played um, in the NHL. He played for the Boston Bruins, which was my favorite thing growing up. And um, and and he was from Victoria. He was from British Columbia, and, oh, wow. and he played hockey cross here at, at DU. And so I sat down and I met with Mister Graham on my official visit. And it really just it really hit home, you know I felt like i was I was back home and and the hockey lacrosse school and um you know no big no no big football, no football at all you know basketball wasn't big at the time, and um you know they put a lot of focus into these two sports, and these were the two sports that. That, that I had a lot of passion for and, and I felt like it was just a, an immediate and great fit.
0: Right. Right. And so when you got on campus that first semester, did you feel like it was a fit right away or was there some, you know, growing pains coming from, uh, come from Canada to Denver?
1: Well, you know, when I arrived on campus, I arrived to school late, you know, we, we play uh, box across into the, the month of September and, mm-hmm. um, I was playing in in, in the Minto Cup, which is the Canadian national championship for under twenty one. Yeah, and so I had to come to school late, and, and so I showed up. I got, my my parents put me on a plane. I flew down from Vancouver to Denver. I had two hockey bags full of clothes and my gear, and and I just stood at the at the the footsteps of of the of the dorms, and and I really knew not and really knew not, not you know, what to do. I was right. just kind of looking at, I said, well, you know, where do I go? And right. I was, first Canadian to come down here and, um, you know, and so it took me a little bit of while to, to, to get adjusted. Um, you know, I think for me, the the practicing, you know, five days a week to, to one game, that was a bit of an adjustment. You know, I was used to practicing twice a week for two games, um, you know, you know the long poles. I didn't play much field lacrosse um, leading up to that time. You know I played a little bit of community field lacrosse, but which was, was really box on a field. You know I think maybe had one sub for each team. You just didn't come off the field. It was kind of like a lacrosse meets soccer game. You know you just you just stayed out there and, and you figured out ways how to catch your breath and and right. uh, so the so the field game was was new to me and, um, and and the culture was different. You know I was coming from a a program up in Burnaby, you know, we went to 10 straight Canadian national championships and, and I was fortunate enough to be a part of six of those. And, uh, you know, so we, we had this winning culture. I was, I was used to winning. And, and, um, you know, that, that was, that was, that was all I knew. And, and I right. came down here for a newer division one program and, and we, we've had a ton of great guys that have come through this, but that winning culture wasn't quite there yet. And mm-hmm. so, you know, there, there was without questions, especially my first year, uh, doubt that I had as far as, you know, maybe this isn't what I should be doing. Maybe I should just go home. Um, maybe I should become a firefighter like most of my, my, my buddies or or get a trade and and go into the working world. And, and, um, you know, thank goodness. I I had a dad who, who, who didn't allow me to do that. You know, he, if I ever called and complained, he said, uh, you know, he said well you're not coming home if you're leaving there and and he says you're gonna tough this thing out you made it you made a commitment to that place and mm-hmm. uh it, it don't don't complain about it do something to make it better and right. um and, and i took that to heart and uh slowly you know day by day we we as a whole started to change the culture here and um you know and and, and we got to a point where we started winning games mm-hmm. you know the the my senior year we were one goal away from going to our first NCAA tournament, and the next year, those those juniors at the time were seniors. They were they were a great group. They, they took the pioneers to the first NCAA tournament in 2006, and so that was a huge accomplishment, and uh, we've just put another foot forward ever since then.
0: Right, right. So can you talk about, I do want to get to your coaching career in a second, but um, I wonder if you can talk more about how you approach the transition from the indoor game to the outdoor game, especially since it must've been such a quick transition for you. How, how did you sort of, how did you learn the nuances of the outdoor game, um, you know, so quickly?
1: Yeah, it took, it took a lot of time, you know, I'll, I'll never forget the morning, the fall ball morning practices where you're doing the one-on-ones from the end line being an attackman right. and, in you know, have the ball on your stick and I'm not using a big pocket, you know, I'm using a real shallow pocket, traditional stick. And and it was this uh, sophomore on our team, Corey van at the time. And I couldn't take more than three steps without losing the ball, you know, and the coach, they pick again. I'll take another three steps and my stick will be on the ground, you know, pick it up again. And, you know, I just got kind of force fed into this thing of trying to figure out how not to get embarrassed because, Mm -hmm that's what I was. I was getting embarrassed, you know, in, in practice, you know, I I was the only guy that couldn't make it to GLE with carrying the ball in his stick. (laughs) Right. So it was, it was quite, it was quite an adjustment. Um, now the the things that I did well, you know, I thrived in, you know, I was, I was, I did well off ball, you know, I was Mm -hmm. able to move when I didn't have the ball in in my stick. I was able to catch, you know, the ball no matter where it was thrown and and put the ball in the back of the net. so I kind of let that highlight, my game all while I was trying to improve the other aspects of it. You know, right. I had zero and I mean zero right hand, you know? Right. And so, you know, something that I was, that I was proud of was by my senior year, I think I had five right handed goals and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and, and I think that was, uh, you know, that was a testament to kind of working hard and, and, and the coaches really pushing me to t- kind of work on different skills. And mm-hmm. so, it was definitely an adjustment, especially getting used to those long poles. Um, the The competitive side, competitiveness side of it, I was used to. I was used to competing. The physicality side of it, I was used to mm-hmm. um, playing junior junior a lacrosse up in BC. But really, learning how to carry the ball for longer durations of time mm-hmm. in in bigger space with with the long pole on you was was kind of the big adjustments for mm-hmm. me.
0: And, and what about the uh, or what about just the playing style philosophies, right? I mean, did you take any time sort of studying the difference between the way that the outdoor game is played versus the, the indoor
1: game? Yeah, I think I, I think being a more of a crease guy, more of an off-ball guy, I kind of got the opportunity to see it maybe better because the mm-hmm. ball wasn't my stick as much. Right. You know, I, I was always – on the crease or if i wasn't on the crease i was on the wing and i was clearing through to the crease and so you know the the stick to the outside downhill dodge um you know using behind the goal more uh which really wasn't a big thing in 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 box across and and i think you're starting to see that trend happen a little bit more in the box game i think it becomes a little bit more valuable but you know using using x and, and swinging the ball through and then you know, also just the range. You know, the, the guy, guys having the ability to to shoot the ball on the run from ten to fourteen yards, or stepping down inside of fifteen, and and let them fly. It was pretty. That was pretty eye opening. But I did get, I did. I was able to pick up the patterns and the reads, and you know how defenses play. And I think it was probably more so just because of the position that I played, and I didn't have the ball on my stick that much, and it allowed me to observe. More what what was going on?
0: Right, gotcha, gotcha, makes sense. Um, so, what ultimately made you uh, want to start coaching?
1: Well, you know, I went, went to DU here, graduated, uh, and had I, I got a degree in finance. And um, you know, my my big thing my senior year is I was going to stay in the states. I was going to get a work visa. I'd, you know, put my degree to use. I got a job for a small fi- with a small financial company here uh, just outside of Denver, and I was all gung-ho to, to start that. And, you know, started in, in uh, July immediately after graduation and wasn't going to go home and play summer box. And I worked there for about, uh, you know, five, six months. And uh, I was just sitting in the office one day, and it's a beautiful, tall building, and I was looking out the window, and it was just it was just gorgeous outside. And I was like, man, I just—I don't want to be doing this the the, the rest of my life. And, and so, you know, we just had the NLL draft, and I got drafted down to to play um, play in Arizona. And the coaches in Arizona were were you know asking if I'd like to move down there. And then, so I came home from from work one day, and, and I was living with my girlfriend, my wife. My, now my wife, and I asked her, I said, do you want to just pack up and move, and you want to go to Arizona for the for the winter? And she right. says, you know, immediately she says, yes, absolutely. And so that was it. I put my 2 weeks' <laughs> notice in, called the coach up, and I said, you know, I'm coming to Arizona. And uh, wow. we moved, drove down to Arizona, and they put us up, Bob Hamley, uh, um, who was the GM head coach down there at the time, he was a great man, and, and he's still heavily involved in the sport now, and you know, had us all set up in like a Melrose Place type of uh, compound, you know, with mm-hmm. a pool in the middle. And there was about 10 or 12 other guys that were living down there at the time. And, uh, you know, we had a great winter. You know, we had a really successful season. It was mm-hmm. it was kind of the dream of, of a lacrosse player. You know, you practice a couple times a week. You had a game on the weekend. Right. Yeah, you'd work out during in the mornings. You'd go play golf in the afternoon. And you'd play poker at night. <laughs> you know? So right. it was kind of uh, I thought this was what, you know, this is this is what life was all about. That's you know? the life, and, right there. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we're driving home. The End of the season. The season's over. We're driving back, and I got a call from my old coach, Jamie Monroe, here at the University of Denver, and he said, "Matt, he said, what do you think about coming on and being the volunteer?" He says, "We got, you know, our volunteer uh, stepped away. He's not going to do it anymore. I'd like you to be a part of it." And um, immediately, I said, "Yes, I, I, I'd love to." And, and hmm. the reason why wasn't necessarily because. I knew that I wanted to coach at the time, but it was because I, I wanted to give back and, and be a part of a place that gave me so much. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I had an opportunity to go back and, and, and coach at DU and, um, and one year as a volunteer. And, uh, you know, within two weeks of coaching, I knew this is what I wanted to do and being around the guys and, um, you know, took on a full-time position the following year and, and you know, been here ever since. So, uh, well, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. It's, uh, um, it's it's been uh, it's been great to see the development of our program, and uh, mm-hmm. it's been amazing to be a part of a, a special school that that gives our lacrosse program so much support.
0: Right, right. So, do you know? Uh, I mean, this might be a hard question for you to answer, um, but do you know why he reached out to you? Like, why why was it you that he called to be the uh, to be the volunteer?
1: Yeah, maybe maybe the other nine guys said no. <laughs> you know, I, don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't know i'm not sure you know yeah. i'm not sure but we had, we had a close relationship uh mm-hmm. jamie taught me a lot about the field game he taught me a lot about you know some some individual skill sets that that i still teach to this day and uh you know we we were close you know i worked a lot of camps with jamie when i was down here as a student athlete and um you know he probably saw me teaching the younger kids and um uh, right. and the, the one thing i would say is I, I was very passionate about the university of denver and mm-hmm. i think that was that was apparent and so you know that that probably played a factor in uh in him giving me a call to to ask me to come back and be a part of it
0: right gotcha gotcha so what did uh what did you learn that first year as an assistant coach
1: well i i learned i learned a ton of things you know i learned um you know, I learned from seeing it from a different lens. You know, being on the sideline, and you know, I think schematically, what that was a big jump for me, X's and O's wise, so of all all areas of the field. You know, I had a good grip on the offensive end of the field, but you know, learning more of the the rides, and riding and clearing the. Um, transition, you know, from offense to defense, the defensive end of the field. You know, working working alongside with, with John Torpy, who, who was a great coach and a and, uh, you know, great friend. And you know, our our offices, our, our our desks were literally five feet away from each other in, in a room that was probably you know ten by ten. So we were right. squished into the room. So we got to know each other very well. Um, <laughs> and I learned about how to run a program for the good and for the bad, and you know, maybe I didn't know it at the time, but, but as, as time went on, I I realized, you know, what, you know, how to run a program, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and not just, you know, the, the on-field stuff is such a small part of this thing. There's, there's 90% of it is, 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 happening away from the field and, and, you know, just meeting with guys and, and how to manage relationships and manage people and, uh, mm-hmm. set expectations and, 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 hold people accountable. So there was, there was a, a lot of things I learned for the good and the bad mm-hmm. in my first couple of years of coaching, but, uh, uh, it, it, it was, it was definitely quite the experience.
0: Right. How did you approach learning, um, you know, the additional X's and O's, Um, you know, as an offensive player, like, you know, when I think back on, um, you know, I I could, I could tell you anything you want to know about the offensive side of the field when it comes to the riding and clearing, I'm a little, I'm a little more hazy. And then, you know, in terms of defense, uh, there's very, very little I can tell you. How did you sort of pick that? How did you pick all those things up,
1: um, you know, as you were learning? I think just, being a a little bit of a a wallflower for some meetings, I would always be, I'd always ask guys if I could come in and listen to them. Um, You know, Jamie Monroe would talk to to Dave Cottle, Coach Cottle quite a bit on different types of theories that, that he had. And and I remember just kind of, you know, always waiting to hear if he was on the phone, and just coming and taking a seat and, and having a whiteboard on my lap and kind of going through what he was talking about, you know, in my own head. And um, you know, I felt like that was a great um, method of learning. Um, and then, I and then the whole film aspect. You know, when we were playing, you know, we watched film, but we had the old VHS tapes, and you know, you, you couldn't be really efficient with your film time. You were fast forwarding and rewinding spots you wanted to show more right. more than Time watching actual clips and so there was quite a few eyeballs that were you know closed and guys dozing off in those film sessions you know and so mm-hmm. you know I, I think it's changed now and and you know the ability to watch film and, and be efficient with watching film you know you, you can watch 10 minutes of clips and really get a great feel for something whereas Back in the old days, it would it would take you hours on end. But but I started to really dive into to watching film. I, I really started to um, you know get excited for that and, and take an interest in it. And uh, and then I just started getting creative on the whiteboard. And and, and still to this day, this but this is this is what I like to do most is is just figure things out. You know, I, I look at the game sports in general; they're puzzles. You know you, you got to mm-hmm. figure the puzzles out. And right. sometimes answers they may look they look great on the whiteboard, but you take them to the playing surface, you take them to the field, and they're horrendous. But <laughs> that is, that's all part of it. And right. uh, you know it, it uh, it's okay to be wrong, you know, mm-hmm. but if if you're wrong and you don't make the correction, then 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 you're really wrong, you know, right. but if you're if you if you're wrong and you make the correction, and and you move forward to finding a better solution that's the fun part you know figuring this thing out from the x's and o's and uh you know that's kind of how i really you know developed a passion for it gotcha
0: gotcha so so tell us about uh you know when coach Tierney um came to denver Uh, at at what point did you know that you were going to be part of the new staff
1: yeah, you know, we went through a tough stretch there. You know, they, they uh they let the, the old staff go and, and John Torpy was uh you know going after the head coaching job here at, at D U and and I was I was all in favor of that and I was supporting him and uh there were some other candidates that came in and inter- interviewed and uh no so we kinda thought that we were going in this in this direction of, of moving on with John John as the head coach and, and me staying on as an assistant and then right. all of a sudden out of nowhere you know, the, 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 the legend comes flying in on a, uh, um, you know, on a trip to kind of explore Denver. And, you know, I think it, I think they sold it on him is as, as kind of come out here and help us give us some advice. Right. Um, next thing you know, like, like a lot of people, uh, he kind of fell in love with the place and, uh, fell in love with Denver and then obviously his son Trevor being out here played a big factor in that. And, uh, you know, next thing you know, Bill Tierney is is named the, the head coach of the University of Denver. I think that took everybody. Um, everybody was shocked. You know, at, at, right. at that, um, everybody was was really really excited. Um, except for me. You know, I had, you know, I, I had no idea of, you know, what, what my future ha- ha- hold. And 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 I didn't. I was ready to go off. Actually, I was to the point where I was ready to, to go off and accept a an assistant coaching um, position at one of our main competitors. It was, it was pretty close. Um, wow. And then uh, I knew Trevor because I played with Trevor with the outlaws. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I spent you know a couple of minutes on the phone, you know, five, 10 minutes on the phone with coach Tierney when, when he arrived. And um, you know, I, I said, coach, I, you know, I'd like to stay here if, if you're interested. And uh, we got off the phone and in um, and five minutes later, he called me back. He said, man, I'd love to have you. And, and so, mm-hmm. And I knew that was uh, that 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 was a great sign, and and I was real. Now I was really excited that Bill Tierney was coming to town, and he was my head coach. you know, it's just been it's just been amazing. I've learned I've learned so much from him. I still learn new things every day from him, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, just the way he really manages his program um, and how he he makes everybody feel a part of it. And um, you know, that, that's really been the, the the biggest thing that I've taken away from him is. He's such a fabulous person right and you know, he, he is a competitor and, and he demands a lot of his players but at the end of the day you know he loves them more than anything and uh, that's been pretty special to see
0: right right so so if I uh, you know I don't want to overstep but what did you guys talk about um, if you feel comfortable asking answering what did you guys talk about on that on that phone call that led him to call you back so quickly and say yeah I'd love you to stay
1: well, you know, at the time, we, 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 we had a bunch of guys that left our program. You know, there was guys that, that were leaving, you know, did, didn't want to be a part of it. You know, obviously, when you have a, a turnover of a staff, there was some other things that were going on. And, and so we were pretty thin. And so mm-hmm. myself and John Torpy were, you know, you know, on the phones constantly and banging on doors to try to find guys just to make sure that we had enough players for this upcoming year. And, you know, I just, like, I had a folder full of guys that that we were going through. And uh, we got on the phone, and I told them, you know, my take on the University of Denver. I told them about my experience. I told them what what I believe this place could be like. And then I went through the list of guys that we've got in contact with, and this is the direction I think we should go. And I just told them that I I, I really, there's no other place I'd rather be. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll go somewhere else if I have to but there's right. no other place I'd rather be and, uh, I, and he called me back five minutes later and so you know I was uh, I was really excited to get back phone call
0: right right and I I saw in an interview um, that you said uh, you know you were a little concerned because you believe that a game should be played a certain way and you didn't know if that was gonna um, you know <laughs> if your style and his style were necessarily gonna mix um, but I was curious uh, can you talk about how you believe the game should be played? How would you define that?
1: Well, you know, going back to that first point is, is there's no question. You know, you, you have a guy who's coming from Princeton, who um, you know won all these championships, and going into my freshman year, so it would have been it would have been April, late April of my senior year in high school. I just went through that whole recruiting process and, and committed here to Denver and signed here to Denver. I was actually in New York and, and, and uh, was in New York City just on a on a family trip. First time we ever went to New York. And uh, there was a Princeton lacrosse game. And Trevor Tierney was going to be the, the assistant coach at Denver the, the next year, my freshman year. And so he was the goalie for Princeton. And so I, I, I wanted to go watch the game. Never been to a college game before in my life. So I went down there and Princeton was playing Dartmouth. And – you know I got there earlier, I watched the warm-ups, and I'm watching these guys. They are so fundamentally sound, two-handed you're right-handed, left-handed, they, they just look every single guy looks like a third run, you know, and they were, and they just went out there and it was like, okay, A goes to B, B goes to C, you know, D puts it in the back of the neck. And it was just so robotic and it was machine-like and it was really impressive. And I was like, "Wow, I'm like, I've never seen anything like this, but this wasn't what I was really like. You know, and right. so, go fast-forwarding. Um, you know, six, seven, eight years, nine years later. You know, when 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 I talk about you know I believe the game should be played a certain way is, I believe in teaching guys how to play, not just how to run plays. And mm-hmm. you know that was a that was a big part. And um, you know I believe in ball movement and people movement and, and being able to anticipate and reading defenses and mm-hmm. and I think that goes back to you know, right after college when I first got into coaching and, and kind of watching more film and, and working on the whiteboard and, and learning what defenses were are trying to do and how do you manipulate a defense to do what you want them to do as opposed to reacting to a, a certain style that they play. And, and so that's where I had a little bit of concerns. And, and then obviously, you know, the Canadian influence, you know, since – since I've come down to Denver, we've had a strong Canadian presence here at the university of Denver. And I knew that, that that's what I wanted to continue to do is is have a strong Canadian presence here. And I was worried that, you know, coach Tierney never having a Canadian go through his program at Princeton, wouldn't be on board with that, but it was the exact opposite. You know, he played in the first ever national lacrosse league, which was the indoor league, you know, way back when. And, um, he loved the box game and, uh, he tried to get a couple of Canadians. They just probably weren't smart enough to go there at the time, you know? And so, um, <laughs> right. you know, I think we, once we started talking and we started figuring this whole, whole thing out, there was, we had a lot more in common than not. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was at that point where I knew this was going to be, this was going to be a lot of fun to work right. underneath and to work alongside him and, and, um, and do this thing together. So, um, it's been a blast um, gotcha. ever since.
0: Right. Right. So, so, uh, you know, you're, you're talking a little bit about combining, you know, the, uh, you know, the American game with the, with the Canadian game. I I, I wanted to ask you what is, or if you can describe what is, what is ball side inside backside? Can you, can you tell, uh, you know, the people listening sort of how that fits into your philosophy?
1: Well, I, we, we just talk a lot about ball side inside backside as far as a progression, a progression of, you know, when you receive a pass after a dodge has been, been made and, and you've drawn a slide, a progression of when you receive a pass after a, a two-man game has happened and you put a lot of pressure on, on the defense. You know, I just I, I felt like the reason why we talk a lot about that is I felt that there was a, there was a period of time with our program where we were just missing looks and teaching guys how to, how to see the field correctly and how to, you know, you know, go from one side to, to the other. You know, there there's a lot of good looks on the on the same side that you received the ball from, whether that's a MIDI, that's just dodging down the alley, who's drawing a slide, or who's drawing a hedge into that area um and, and kicking it to a guy, kicking the ball to X. Well, there's a lot of open space immediately behind the dodger. There's a lot of open space on the crease on that ball side. And, and then how do you push – how do you continue to make that read as you're pushing your, your feet? You're moving your feet opposite of the direction the ball came from and still look inside now to whatever type of crease action you have going on. And then, and then you know, finally, can you get the ball quick enough to the backside where you can wind up in, in, in you know, hitch and go or, you know, one-step dodge you know, or, or shoot around the screen, um, and, and so those those are just kind of the progressions that we talk about. And mm-hmm. takes a long time. That goes back to being a teaching guys how to play, not just necessarily running plays. Mm-hmm. You know, there's multiple looks within a given offensive set. You can watch a a possession with no with no structure to it, and and you can see all these different looks within them and 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 that's kind of the fun part as far as teaching you know and right. so ball side inside backside is is a progression a mm-hmm. re progression after your offense is being initiated
0: right right so it, it's sort of like uh uh it's sort of like what coaches tell like their quarterback where they're supposed to look during a given passing play essentially correct yep right. Right. Uh, almost identical yep right right yep. um so uh <clears throat> so I, actually I'm curious how do you how do you go about teaching that? What, what sort of drills or, um, you know, how, how do you sort of how do you sort of instill that in, in kids, especially new kids who come to the program and maybe that's not second nature for them?
1: Well, I, I think you got to break it down. You know, I, I think it's easy to talk about. And it seems pretty simplistic when you when you're just kind of going through it in discussion. All that. That's, that makes sense. That's that's pretty easy. I could pick that up. But if there's a lot there. You know, and so what you need to do is you need to, you need to break it down. You, you need to, you know, just work on it in basic stick work drills. And so, you know, whether it's a three-man stick work drill where um, let's just use the guy at X, for example, is catching the ball and, and he's throwing it back to a follow or a mere man on the same side that the dodge came from. You know, I think you hammer that home. Um, how, do you, how do you teach him to throw that pass? You know, is that a, is that a no-look pass? is that should that have arc on, on it? Should that be a line drive to him? Mm-hmm. Um, where should he be catching the ball at X? Should he be deep? Well, if he's too deep, then are you allowing a D guy to put pressure on his hands, which is going to deter him from hitting that open opportunity? Or are you having him play in what I call the front five, the front, the front five, the bat, the, from GLE to five yards behind the goal, Are you Mm -hmm. playing there? Are you using the goal as a barrier to kind of buy yourself some time to keep your hands free? And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I think you break it down to, you know, to to the smallest thing and then you move forward and then you start to combine and -hmm. then you got and then you got to see, you know, and Mm -hmm. and then a lot of times you got to you got to go back Mm -hmm. and you got to you got to fix and then you then you combine again. And then you got to see, and you got to watch film, and you got to see yourself do this thing, right. and 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 then you got to repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat, and mm-hmm. and that that's how you got to. That to me, that's how you got to develop, and and it mm-hmm. takes a lot of time. You know, you just can't go out there and say, okay, here's here's our progression. Let a guy do it three times and he thinks he's got it down. No, because right. six will be in different passing lanes. You know, there there is really no same defense that you play throughout the season. They're all different. They might have general same theories. There's some teams that play more similar than others, but they're all different. You know, Mm -hmm. one team might have more of an emphasis of getting sticks and passing lanes. Another team might be more about keeping their sticks down out in front of them and staying in a lower stance uh, for longer durations of time, that that all changes your looks and your openings that, that you have. And so, mm-hmm. I think educating your guys, going back to the comment of teaching guys how to play and not just plays, I, I think that's really important.
0: Right, gotcha, makes sense, makes sense. So, from the uh, from the offensive side of things, how do you approach each new season? Are you um, are you looking? For players that sort of fit your offensive playing style, or are you trying to um, are you trying to adapt your offensive playing style to the the players that you have? How, how do you sort of approach that?
1: Well, a little bit of both. You know, I think from you know putting this thing together, the puzzle together, you, know, you don't want guys that you don't want too many guys that are all the same. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a big believer in having guys with a different skill sets and, um, you know, different skill, you know, different abilities, um, you know, whether that be big guys, small guys, you know, range guys, inside guys, feeder guys, right, lefties, left, two handed guys, you know, you want to blend it, you want to mm-hmm. blend it together. And so
0: in the recruiting
1: process, you know, we, we, we like to try to recruit guys that we feel can kind of fit an area of a mold of, of, of our offense. But at the same time, you know, you, you don't always know what you're going to get um, in the recruiting process, and, and sometimes that changes. Sometimes a guy's game changes, and so I think the worst thing a coach can do is be so rote in his ways that he says, "This is the, o- the only thing we're going to do, or the only way that we're going to we're going to play," and and just be like that, you know, all the time. You know, to right. me, that, that that's a coaching mistake. You know, mm-hmm. from my 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 vision of it is that we've got to get the most out of our guys. And mm-hmm. sometimes that means getting the most out of our guys is maybe changing what we do some, mm-hmm. um, you know, but it, it, you can change what you do, but you can still have your same theme of being unselfish, ball movement, people movement, just putting guys in different spots, maybe attacking from some different areas or, or sometimes that comes into play with just, you know, managing your lineup, you know, who's mm-hmm. playing with who, you know, who complements the other one better. And, and so I think those are all things that, you look at. So I think from, from our standpoint, when it, when it comes to uh, when it comes to a new year, the thing that hasn't changed is, you know, in every fall, what we try to do with our guys is we try to push them to play as fast as they can and put as much stress on, on them to make decisions while playing as fast as they can, regardless of what we're doing. And there's not a lot of time spent, teaching a whole a whole bunch of the actual you know offense it's it's more of just principles and themes because right. if you can get them to that speed that's great you might realize that you're a team that can play that way mm-hmm. but you might realize that you know you're a team that maybe is not you know made to or or, or put together to play that way so you can always pull them back a little bit mm-hmm. but if you never get them there you know and push them to play as fast as they can it's it's hard it's hard mid-season to, to, to kind of instill that and so right. I, I think you know there was a point last year where um you know we we really focused uh, you know a ton of the fall and on you know 60 second shot clock all these different types of rules sometimes a 30 second shot clock when you cross the center just mm-hmm. to put put pressure on our guys to 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 go to goal and make plays happen and and you know, at the beginning of the year, we kind of played like that. Midway through the year, we pulled it back a little bit. We need to be a little bit more possession-based. And right. then there was a point. there's a point, kind of in the early second half of the year, where we need to speed it up again. And, and we could do that because we train that way and right. we practice that way. Um, and then, and then when it's all said and done, you know, when you get to when you get to uh, the NCAA tournament, you know, all, all things tighten up. You know, whether you want want it to or not. It tightens right. up because possession just becomes so valuable. So, right. uh, but we definitely try to push our guys to to play as fast as they can, um, especially in the fall to see what we're capable of doing.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So you, you started touching on this a little bit, but um, you know, on the offensive side of things, can you walk us through what a typical in-season practice is for you guys?
1: Yeah, I think I think in-season. Um, you know, once once you hit January, you come back from the The holiday break, um, you know we usually get going around the middle of January you know with with some sort of first exhibition game in the beginning part of february but but a typical practice would be you know our our young men go to school from eight a m to to two um, and then we practice from th- at three thirty every single day, so you know after two o'clock you're getting a bite to eat you're you're going to the training room, um, there might be a film session for the offense or or a certain line or the man up group or the attack group um so you know we watch typically watch 15-20 minutes of film um we like to get guys out there a little bit before practice and do some pre-practice stick work or pre-practice shooting which is organized by the guys and led by the guys themselves you know typically an upperclassman or or a captain Um, you know i'll give them a a theme we want to work on. It's maybe going to be a theme for them for the day or a theme for the week um and get some reps out there. Use it also as kind of a warm up. Um, you know, and then and then when the whistle blows at, at three thirty and the bells go off, um, we get together and, and we break it down and, and, and we get into our practice with, with our dynamic, you know, we call it jog agility stretch and our strength coach comes out and leads that. And then as you get into the meat of practice, you know, we, we come back after that and, and we do you know, some sort of uh, skill work, um, whether that is stick work or shooting um, or some sort of uh, footwork from an offensive standpoint. Um, We typically get up and down a little bit right after that, some sort of transition where, you know, you know, as an offensive guy, you want to feel good at the early part of practice. You want to put the ball in the back of the net at the early part of practice. It just (laughs) kind of gets you into it, you know. And so, you know, we'll do a lot of three-on-two drills, a lot of four-on-three drills, scramble-type drills where, you know you get there's there's contact being made but you're you know you're getting an opportunity to make a play and, and finish the ball and um you know put the ball in the back of the net and then right. but typically after that we'll we'll break into to, to two half field drills um one uh, at my end uh offensive uh, emphasis at uh, at John Orson's end a uh, defensive emphasis and uh you know whatever the teaching point is for the day and um and then and then we'll do some 6 on 6 and half field or maybe some face-off in the half field or some scramble in the half field. Um, And then we'll play, and then we'll get up and down and do some full field. Um, And and typically when we do full field, there'll be some sort of theme to it. You know, there'll be – maybe it is a a 30-second shot clock. Maybe it is a a point for a ride back. Um, Maybe we'll throw a a new ball in there and and work on attack scramble. You Mm -hmm. know, So it's attacking and learning how to box guys out, uh, which is going to be very, very important this year, especially with – with any right. type of defensive push, you get a reset to 80 seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, learning how to get in front of your defender and boxing them out, and and you know, and, and if you got to take a push, take a push. Mm-hmm. You know, to to get that 80 seconds is going to be really important. So, um, you know, we do that, and then we and then we always end the day with some sort of competition, whether it's you know what we like to call ping pong, where we kind of go back and forth. You know, man up, man down. You know, one end's going. While the other end's getting organized, that that ball's dead. We flip flop to the other end, and mm-hmm. you know we keep score. Um, but but I think competing is, is is a good way to bring the most out of your guys is as well. So you know, that's kind of a, a typical day, I would say. The thing that we do probably more so than than a lot of places is is we do a ton of stick work. You know, mm-hmm. we do a ton of stick work. You know, if we're going to pass the ball and catch the ball as much as we do then we've got to be able to do it correctly and do it efficiently. Um, You know, if if that's the way we're going to play. And, Mm. you know, I I hated watching the game when the ball would just die in one guy's stick and you'd carry it to a spot where he wants to dodge from. And five other guys are just standing there and they're just waiting for him to go. And then (laughs) they're going to their spot that they were told to go to. I just, I can't stand it. I just, right. I, I don't like the the game being played that way. And so, um, you know, our guys are are constantly anticipating of what's going to happen next. And, uh, mm. and, and playing without the ball in your stick is really important. So we do a right. ton of stick work and, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, it's paid dividends for us.
0: So you mentioned, one of the things that you mentioned was, uh, the teaching point for the day. How do you guys decide what the teaching point of the day is going to be?
1: I think it's a, it's just a buildup. You know, what I like to do is I kind of like to create an offensive matrix at the beginning of the year of, um, you know, stick work, shooting, mm-hmm. footwork, um, midfield dodging, attack dodging. Um, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And then it's like crossing things off the list, you know. Right. We got to this, I'm going to cross it off, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, we got to that, that's it. Um, mm-hmm. and then there's a certain order of, you know, how we built, you know, you got, obviously you got to lay the foundation first before you put the balls up and you add all the finishes, but you right. know, it, it's, you build that foundation then you move on to the next phase. And so, you know, I, I think that's where we are in the season determines what the, the theme of the day is. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things we're doing this fall is offensively, we're doing a three on three league where on every Thursday, they're in teams of three or four, and we've got three goals going at a time. Small field setting. We're using tennis balls, but but it's it, it's a theme. You know, you get a point for scoring, you get a point for doing the theme, and so mm-hmm. um, you know it, it adds. You know, we're keeping stats, we're posting stats in the locker room, and you know we we've drilled the theme. You know, the leading up to the to the league, and so now it's an opportunity for these guys to. Kind of use the skill that we we've, we've taught all week long, in in a play setting, and and get right. rewarded for it. And uh, no one likes to no one likes to see their name last on the list, no matter right. what what it is. You know, whether yeah. it's a, a simple three v three league and you're last on league list of points, or it's a, a Monday mile, or it's a mile and a half run test, or if it's uh, in the weight room uh, with who, who can bench the most. You know, no one likes mm-hmm. to see their name last, and, right. and so. think that adds a little extra motivation by posting in the locker room
0: right right makes sense makes sense so if you can can you talk about how your offense prepares for uh, an upcoming opponent how do you like to prepare your team for the defense it's going to face
1: yeah you know i I think when when we're watching film the week of whoever whoever the uh the team is you know we're looking at a few things um Mm -hmm. the first thing is you know, my job is to identify how they're playing um against certain looks so so we can anticipate, you know, what, what we're gonna see. So, you know, going and finding games that, you know, maybe it's not exactly how we play or exactly what we're doing, but there's something similar depending upon, you know, is there one in the crease, no in the crease, two in the crease, where are they attacking the field from, you know, who's filling, how are they sliding, and and educating our guys on, on kind of the team concept of this is what we can. This is what we can anticipate. It it can change, and that's why I don't like to spend too much time on that, because you know, teams can very well change. They can all of a sudden go from playing X above gle, and the next thing you know, they're they're shutting you at X, and you've got to be able to react to that. And so we go through a lot of the what ifs. So mm-hmm. we kind of identify. Um, you know, how they play as a team. We get a feel for them, how they play as a team. What's their shape like? What's their stance like? What's their approaches like? What's their stick positioning like? Do they like to get their sticks up in passing lanes? And then then we go through a lot of the what ifs. You know, what if they change and they start doing this, okay? What's our answer? What if Mm -hmm. they do this? What if they start being a little more squared up in the alleys? Mm -hmm. Okay, then what's our answer? What can we go to? And then once we establish that, then I dive a little bit deeper into individual person personnel right. and you know, well, I'll just, I'll clip guys, you know, I'll just clip, clip them, clip them, clip them, clip them 50 mm. clips of a guy of a short stick on his approach. What does it look mm. like? You know, 50 clips of a defenseman. Um, you know, how does he, how does he cover the crease? You know, is he, is he, is he ball side of his man? Where's his stick position? You know, mm. you know, 10 clips of a guy of, of how a certain guy plays you around the GLE or what I call the pizza slice area. You know, how does he play you there? Is he using a V-hold? Is he using a, um, you know, just a cross checker? Is he pushing you up and out? Is he looking to turn you? Are they coming quickly? And so I think, you know, breaking it down in those couple segments of general team concepts, what if be prepared for the what ifs and then dive into more of the individuals, you kind of cover a lot of your, a lot of your ground there. Right. um, that's kind of how we go into preparing for a team.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right. uh, So I'm, I'm keeping my eye on the clock. Uh, I'll make sure to get you out of here on time. Um, But uh, just a a, a few more questions. So, uh, you know, we were at the beginning of the fall, but I'm curious about how you approach, um, how you approach making sure your players come back in shape. What do you have them do? during that Christmas break area, um, you know, what are you telling them to do over that break while they're away so that by the time they come back, you guys can hit the ground running? How do you have them approach that?
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, we, we are a little different because we are on the quarter system. So, you know, we go from right after Labor Day to right before Thanksgiving, that's a 10 week fall quarter. And then we're off from Thanksgiving until January. So that's, Hmm. that's, six, sometimes seven weeks off. We like it as a sport because I feel like we probably practice too much as is anyways. And so it gives a good, good break for guys to be off, you know, put your stick down for a little bit, you know, just, you know, mentally, you know, hit the reset button and then come back in January ready to go. Now at the same time, you know, if you're putting your stick down for a little bit, you better be still moving your feet or, or pushing a bar, you know? And so, the The accountability aspect is is really on them, and mm-hmm. I think, you know, what what you do is you you try to just make sure that that you create a culture that that holds guys accountable, and mm-hmm. you know, because honestly, if I've got to hold guys' hands, then for everything that they do, then we're not going to win. You know, right. it, it's not going to happen. But right. when guys look at it from a standpoint of, oh, this isn't this isn't a struggle, or this isn't this isn't hard or I don't want to do this when they, when they flip the switch and they start saying, this is going to make me better. I can't wait to push myself to be better in this area. I want to put an extra five pounds on here. I want right. to make a mile a little bit faster. I want to compete. I don't want to be the bottom on the list. Mm-hmm. You know, when you start to create that culture and you've got guys acting, acting that way, which, which, which we have now in our program, then, then they kind of just take care of it themselves. and right. And then, uh, you you always put a little run test in the, it the, and when you get back in January, you know, we, we do in a mile, <laughs> mile and a half in, in nine minutes. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are or how much you've run before, or how good a shape you're in. Uh, you dread the run test. And, uh, right. It's more of a mental thing than, than anything. And so mm. guys need to come back and, and get in good shape. And then, you know, if they can run the, if they can run, the run test in, in nine minutes, you know, there's no science behind it. There's nothing that says that's going to make you a better lacrosse player or make you a better athlete. It's just right. more of a mental grind. But if you can do that in, in nine minutes, then we can get you back and get you in pretty good shape in, in a matter of a couple of weeks. So right. uh, but that's kind of yeah. what we do, you know. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, the other, thing, the, the, the other thing I would just say along those lines, you know, maybe more so not, not during the winter months, but but during the summer months is 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 what we've kind of focused on. You know, when I when I look at other sports and being a big hockey guy, I'm I'm a big hockey fan. I watch a ton of college hockey, I watch a ton of NHL. When I watch our hockey guys train, they're they're training not only for you know their current team, which is the most important thing right now, and not only mm-hmm. for just winning national championships, but, but they're really cha- they're really training for a career. You know they're they're mm-hmm. they're working throughout the summer months with whether it's a personal trainer, whether it's a group that they go to, whether it's staying here locally and working with strength and conditioning coaches, but they're 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 just they're training to be a professional in what they do. Right. And right. unfortunately, um, we, we haven't had that in, in lacrosse. And, and mm-hmm. I believe, you know, it has a lot to do because we don't have, we don't really have a pro league, you know, right. uh, we have two pro leagues. And I believe that, you know, that they're both doing well. I, I'm a big believer in the NLL and I love the direction that they're going. And, and I really believe that in the next few years, this is going to be a full-time job for these lacrosse players, which right. is going to help in return, help the college game,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: and, but we we never really had this focus of, you know how do lacrosse players how do college lacrosse players train during the summer months you know we would right. we would try to send one or two kids to Canada here here or there to to play box during the summer months and you know that that was great although you you know sometimes you'd send kids up there and they'd play one game and then they they'd end up sitting in the stands for the rest of the summer so you're not getting anything out of that and you know a little different culture north of the border and um you know a lot of these guys can't you know, weren't able to work because of work visas, and so, hmm. you know, what what we what we wanted to do was how do we create an environment locally or, or stateside to have guys push themselves and and be better and train throughout the month. So we started this collegiate box program two years ago in Denver, and uh, it's just taken off. And so hmm. this past summer we had fifteen guys that stayed local and, uh, you know, got jobs internships and. We're playing in the summer box league, which was, you know, a 10, 12 game regular season with with playoffs. There was two games a week, one practice a week. There was, you know, great guys coaching the league, you know, but overall, they were just really competing. And uh, it's been amazing to see the development uh, of our players that have participated in it. And I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a big part of the future of of college development. Uh, moving hmm. forward.
0: And where uh, is there a URL that you can send people to to check that out to learn a little bit more about it?
1: yeah it's on it's on our our u s com website and um, we started here in Colorado two years ago. We've got six teams in Colorado. Uh, we have four teams in Ohio, um, three in three in Columbus, one in Cleveland. They'll have probably four in Columbus two in Cleveland this summer. Um Buffalo's gonna have three teams this summer. Rochester's gonna have three teams this summer. And there may there may be another location as well, and so um, you know it's, it's 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 not it's obviously not as serious as being on a college team. You know, um, you know we have really no affiliation with it other than kind of coming up with the idea, um, and you know it's coached by you know guys in in the community. There's a lot of our former players that guys like Eric Law and Taylor Young that are kind of in the working world now that enjoy kind of co- coaching this caliber of player um right. you know it's a division one division two II, division three club guys and mm. that's great you know because we're, we're given a pretty unique experience for maybe some guys that you know go to school and play across and maybe some of the lower levels but 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 you know don't have what what some of these you know high profile division one programs have and so this has been a big part of it and uh right you know, I, I think it's just been a fabulous thing and i'm, I'm really excited for the growth of it
0: that's great that's great I'll uh, for anybody listening I'll make sure to include a link in the show notes for the episode um so you guys can check it out um but uh but so a final final question before we get to uh the real last question that I've asked every coach um what advice do you have for kids that uh you know for a kid that might be hoping to play for Denver um you know on the offensive side of the field what, what would you what would you what would you say to them what should they be working on what type of player are you looking for
1: well, you know, I, I think it's, you know, what you're looking for is you're looking for guys that are doing the right things when, when the coach isn't around and, uh, you know, guys that are really pushing themselves on, on, on their own. You know, what, what I'm not looking for is, you know, what, what we're not looking for is, is guys that just take a bucket of balls and dump them out and try to shoot at a million miles an hour from, you know, step down at, at 12 yards for, right. for, for 30 minutes and think that they've accomplished something. You know, I think you got to push yourself to be different, to try new things, uh, expand your, your game, you know, add more tools in your toolbox. Um, and, and we're looking for guys that have good habits in, in just life, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer in making your bed every morning. You know, I feel like it's, right. it's the best thing to do to start your day off. You know, I'm a big believer in, and I said it before, crossing things off the list, you know. Set any goals for yourself of, you know, this is what I got to do tomorrow. I want to cross them off the list. And if Mm -hmm. I didn't get it done, then I better put it at the top of the list the next day. I think Mm -hmm. there's, I think there's a reward and I think there's almost like a, um, you know, there's, there's some sort of release inside you when you put a line through some words and Mm -hmm. and that feeling of accomplishment. And then, and then I'm a big believer in preparation, you know, preparing for tomorrow. You know, and and if you go into tomorrow without thinking about it, um, then you know you're not going to be ready for everything that's been thrown at you. And so right. you know, you spend spend 10 to 15 minutes before you go to bed preparing for what you got to do tomorrow, and then get up mm-hmm. and do it all over again. And so you know, I think just from a habit standpoint, I think those things are are really important. Um, you know, we talked at the beginning of this 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 show about. You know, playing a bunch of different sports. You know, and how each one of these sports, you know, complements the other. You know, and and I get it. You know, this this recruiting thing has been crazy. Um, it's it's really the recruiting piece of it is really forced guys into into the, into the you know individual sports and and specialization of just one sport. But right. really, that's not what's best for you. It's okay if if you don't go to that showcase. It's okay if you don't go to that tournament. That's right. not where ultimately that's not where you're going to be recruited, where mm-hmm. you're going to be recruited is in your own backyard at your local high school field, uh, in the gym on your own, um, making your bed in the morning, crossing things off the list and preparing mm-hmm. for tomorrow. That's when you that's where you're going to be recruited because coaches find those guys, we find them. And it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, but the best feeling when you're recruiting somebody is, is kind of finding the guy in, in not your typical setting, you know, not finding them at a, at a, at a big giant generic recruiting tournament in the hot summer right. month. And, you know, it's, it's kind of finding them other ways and, and they, and, and they will be found. So, you know, I think those are all things that are all important, but it's a great game. It's a great sport. You know, I'm, I'm very blessed to, to have it in my life and uh, hopefully continue to be a part of it for a long time.
0: Right, right. That's awesome. That's awesome. So last question before I let you go, uh, what are three things everyone should be doing every day to get better at whatever it is they do? It doesn't have to just be lacrosse.
1: Well, I think those, those three things are, are, are kind of, uh, you know, what I touched on, you know, I mm-hmm. think maybe head cross things off your list and prepare for tomorrow are three things you should do to be better every day. And I think you can take that, I think that you can take that and, and insert, uh, lacrosse you can insert school you can insert um you know family you know, life you can insert um you know being a good uh, brother or sister a good husband a good brother you can earn, insert anything you want in there and if you kind of do those three things um and, and focus on those three things um you can accomplish anything and so that right. that was the foundation
0: gotcha gotcha well listen Coach, thanks so much for taking the time. I'm sorry. We went a little bit over, but this is a blast. I'm happy we had the chance to talk. Hopefully we can talk again soon, but thanks for coming on.
1: Joe, thanks for having me, and thanks for all you're doing for the game.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Game Changer Lacrosse podcast. I'm your host, Joe Ivoli. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe You can find more episodes of the Game Changer Lacrosse podcast on this season at thisseason.gc.com. If you like the podcast, please take a second to give it a positive review on iTunes. This helps more people find the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Sports. And if you're a coach, a parent, or you run a travel or club team, check out Game Changer Team Manager in the App Store. It's an essential all-in-one scheduling and communication app for lacrosse coaches and parents. Game Changer Team Manager is free, it's easy to use, and it doesn't serve ads. Learn more at gc.com forward slash team manager. Until next time, keep working and keep getting better.